Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to dream connect the shower lather up with the news sports talk comedians or movie reviews connect with that 3 hour philosophy show change the drive into work in traffic so slow Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We have got a solution, I believe, to the Western Conference in the NBA playoffs. It would appear, as we all expected, that the Minnesota Timberwolves were not really going to make a legitimate run at trying to take down the Houston Rockets. And certainly when you score 50 points in a quarter, basically they should stop the series. I feel like the white towel should be thrown out. If you are capable of scoring 50 points in a quarter against any team in the playoffs, you should just go ahead and like it should be the equivalent of a knockout. They should say, okay, series is over. 50 points in a quarter is an unbelievable offensive onslaught. So that series is over. The Houston Rockets are advancing. We know the Golden State Warriors are going to advance. We know now it would appear that the uh, we already know the Pelicans are on, and it would appear that the Oklahoma City Thunder are done as well now that they have fallen down 3-1. to one. Maybe they're going to be able to come back. In the best-case scenario you could sketch out, they would go seven games, and two of the three would be home in Oklahoma City. But I think it's time to ask the question, were we way too critical of Kevin Durant and way too quick to praise Russell Westbrook over their different levels of commitment to their respective teams. Let me take you back in time. Kevin Durant, on July 4th, what was it, a couple of years ago, shocks the world when he decides to go join the Golden State Warriors. 
They run through the playoffs last year, the Golden State Warriors do, like a hot knife through butter. And as a result, they are now basically a dynasty. This year, they kind of kick it around a little bit. They've got different injuries, but they're still the substantial favorite to win the title. What has happened with Russell Westbrook? Westbrook commits for a few more years to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They go out and they add Carmelo Anthony. They go out and they trade for Paul George. And what has he gained in the two years since Kevin Durant has left the Thunder? He has gained this. One victory in the postseason last year over the Houston Rockets. And so far, one victory in the postseason over the Utah Jazz. Since they lost that seventh game heartbreaker in the Western Conference Finals to the Golden State Warriors, the Oklahoma City Thunder are 2-7 and seven in the postseason and have not won a single series. As much praise and attention as Russell Westbrook has gotten for the individual success of his triple-double pursuits and what he averaged in the triple-doubles and everything else. He's won two playoff games since Kevin Durant left. And he's left basically trying to hold water in the palms of his hand. Ultimately, it all disappears pretty quickly. We know Paul George is probably going to leave and go somewhere else at the end of this season. Carmelo Anthony is a shell of the player he used to be. He's worth nothing. In that huge game last night against the Jazz, when they desperately needed, the Utah Jazz uh, were you know, just out there dominating. When they desperately needed Carmelo Anthony to show up, he went 5 of 18 from the field, 0 for 6 from three-point land, and scored 11 points. Carmelo Anthony is done. This guy, as a legitimate threat, as a legitimate high-level basketball player, is finished. He has nothing left in the tank. I don't even think he can be a very strong complimentary player at this point. Russell Westbrook did his usual 23 points, 14 rebounds, but only had three assists. And after saying Ricky Rubio would not have a great game, well, he held Rubio to 13-8-6, but he was unable to to get his team a must-win game. And so, I ask you, in retrospect, did Kevin Durant not make the incredibly smart decision when he bailed on the Thunder? And is Russell Westbrook not going to ultimately end up doing the exact same thing? In I believe he has one year left on his contract next year. The Thunder are going to be looking at every single team player that matters right now Paul George Carmelo Anthony if you still consider him to matter and Russell Westbrook all being gone and next year they may not even make the playoffs but this year it looks like they're not going to win a playoff series and Russell Westbrook's going to be 30 years old when he leaves now 30 is not as old as it used to be but for a player who builds his entire career on his explosiveness How many more years at the absolute apex of his career 
does Russell Westbrook have left? And you got this scandal now. It's, I love the NBA. It's so ridiculous. Of Kevin Durant accidentally liking, he says, an Instagram post that was critical of Russell Westbrook. But don't you have to recalibrate everything about that decision that was made? That Kevin Durant looked clear-eyed at the future of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he said, I don't believe that we have what it takes with Russell Westbrook to win a championship. As close as they came in the Western Conference, as difficult as it was to make that decision, Kevin Durant made the right decision if his goal was to play for championships. And he went to the Golden State Warriors, and likely they're going to win two straight titles. Meanwhile, Russell Westbrook got all this praise for re-upping with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and now when you look at what he has done, he's gone 2-7 in the playoffs without Kevin Durant. He's not Batman. He might be Robin if he's got an amazing player like Kevin Durant alongside of him. Furthermore, given that the Thunder tried to put a lot of talent around him this year, isn't it fair to say if they go out and lose this series to the Utah Jazz that the Russell Westbrook experiment in Oklahoma City can be deemed a failure when it comes to what really matters, which is advancing in the playoffs? Think about that. They lost the series last year 4-1 to one in the first round to the Houston Rockets. This year, they are down 3-1 to one to the Utah Jazz. And this one, I think, stings in particular because they had the home court advantage in this series and they're just getting absolutely run. It wouldn't stun me if the Jazz came back and won game five and won this series 4-1 to one, just like the Houston Rockets last year won the series 4-1. to one. And so what are we left with? I think we have to recalibrate. I think we have to recalibrate the criticism that was foisted upon Kevin Durant for his decision to leave and consider it in the context of what he left behind. And I think the level with which we praise Russell Westbrook, you have to also ask the question, okay, to what extent does Russell Westbrook actually make everybody around him better when it comes to the postseason? Maybe it's just that Carmelo Anthony is done. Maybe it's just that Paul George if you look at the success that the Indiana Pacers have had without him, maybe it's just he's not as good of a player as we thought. Or maybe when you contemplate Russell Westbrook, you need to think about that in context. Great individual talent, not necessarily a spectacular teammate. Now, I don't know what Russell Westbrook is going to do after next season, but the Thunder are find themselves in this perpetual cycle where everybody that is out there could end up, in theory, leaving them and leaving them with nothing in exchange. Russell Westbrook, after one more year, next year the Thunder are going to be in the exact position that they're in right now, which is trying to decide, what do we do with Russell Westbrook? Can we trade him? Is there something we can get in exchange for him? It looks like Paul George is likely to walk out the door. It's hard to believe Paul George is going to re-up with the Oklahoma City Thunder if they lose in the first round to the Utah Jazz. Carmelo Anthony has almost nothing left. This Oklahoma City Thunder team, they had a really what I would call a must-win game last night. And they couldn't get it done to make this series definitely a six- or seven-game contest. 
I think if they won last night, good chance that series against the Jazz goes seven games. Instead, there's a decent chance it goes five or six. And the Jazz are in spectacular shape to advance in the playoffs alongside of the Pelicans, two teams that probably didn't really anticipate seeing in the second round of the Western Conference. Meanwhile, Russell Westbrook's going to be left behind. And again, I think it's time to ask that question. Have we been far too quick to praise him relative to his quote-unquote loyalty to Oklahoma City? And is he not going to find himself next year in the exact same spot that Kevin Durant did, except unlike Durant, who went and joined a team that he knew could compete for a championship, is anybody that can contend for a championship going to be able or willing to sign Russell Westbrook? It's a pretty fascinating question as we come down the stretch. Now, look, the NBA playoffs in the Western Conference don't look like they're going to be that complicated now. This was the series in the Western Conference that I think a lot of people anticipated being a really good one. I think most of us out there thought Rockets should roll over the Timberwolves. Uh, the Warriors, assuming that... Uh, maybe people didn't, are even a little bit surprised at how well the Warriors have looked in their first four, given the fact that they closed the season on such a down note. If they close out the Spurs in five games and the Rockets close out the Timberwolves in five games, which I think is likely, and maybe the Jazz end up doing it in five or six, there won't have been very much drama in the NBA Western Conference. Now, the Eastern Conference, all things are open there. Who knows what's going to happen in the Eastern Conference from here on out, and it's going to certainly be entertaining to see which team advances to the uh, to get guillotined by the Western Conference champ. Meanwhile, also, I want to hit on this in the open. How about the Cavs? The story there, Russell Westbrook, we'll continue to unpack that. I want to get your feedback. I want to get uh, your thoughts. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Um, how about the Washington Capitals, a team that has been perpetually star-crossed and unable to succeed in the postseason, losing their first two at home to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and then storming back and winning four straight to advance to face the Pittsburgh Penguins again? And how about Toronto? Awful story about uh, coming out of Toronto yesterday about the van and what appears to be a, a terror attack of some form or fashion. Uh, that took place in Toronto. But the Maple Leafs have stormed back from a 3-1 series deficit to force a Game 7, the only Game 7 of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that one is going to turn into quite a battle, I think, on Wednesday night uh, for a, a Game 7 there in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But in particular, I think this morning, the big story to me is the Jazz victory and what in the world it says about Russell Westbrook's future with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and also, again, the story between him and Kevin Durant. He's the good guy. Kevin Durant is the bad guy. Did anyone who made that argument, I wasn't one of them. I didn't have a problem with Kevin Durant making the decision that he wanted to join the Golden State Warriors because I think if you want to win a championship – that was the right play. And I think he looked at the Oklahoma City Thunder and did not think they were able to get past the Golden State Warriors. I think he was right. And is Russell Westbrook going to ultimately make that same decision and decide to leave after next season and or force a trade at some point during the season next year so that the Oklahoma City Thunder aren't left getting nothing for Kevin Durant, getting nothing for Russell Westbrook, getting nothing for Paul George, and bringing on 
Carmelo Anthony when he's got absolutely nothing left in his career. What a mess. We're talking about Carmelo Anthony potentially being the one left holding the bag with the Oklahoma City Thunder. We will talk about all of this and more, break down all the games uh, to come. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL draft as well uh, as we are now two days out from the NFL draft. What is the latest drama surrounding the quarterback position in particular, which is going to determine the top of the NFL draft and who is Vegas favoring right now to be the next uh, number one pick. I've got those odds for you. I'll hit that with you in hour one as well. Uh, We were going to have Saquon Barkley in hour two. He is going to have a baby, and so he had to cancel with us. We'll see if we can reschedule it. As always, we will have Petros Papadakis in hour three. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage. Thanks for spending your Tuesday morning with us here on the Geico Outkick Studios on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Um, what is fascinating out there, too, is as we kind of dive into this Russell Westbrook versus Kevin Durant business in general, Um is there's a story out there right now where Kevin Durant just can't get out of his own way. And I think part of the reason why Durant has been so criticized is because he clearly let it be known that he cares deeply about what people say about him. And Kevin Durant, undoubtedly, and LeBron James, I think this is where they're somewhat similar, have incredible rabbit ears. They're great players, probably one and two in the NBA right now. If you had to pick the two best players, I think you'd probably go still LeBron 1, Durant 2. And if you were buying long-term, you would go Durant with the uh, with the upside because he's younger. And because I think LeBron has started to hit the wall already in this playoffs. And Durant doesn't have to carry as much of a burden with the Golden State Warriors. But this Westbrook versus Durant is the modern day, I would say, Kobe versus Shaq. And as if this story were not already still kind of percolating out there, Durant recently has been out there doing something that I think is, uh, is, is ridiculous, which is constantly searching his social media feeds to see what people are saying about him. And if you remember in the early part of this year, Durant got caught using a burner account on Twitter responding to trolls saying that, Russell Westbrook was the only good player on the Thunder that he didn't like playing for Billy Donovan. Uh, And then he said, you know what, I shouldn't have been using a burner account to defend himself, Uh, which makes me wonder how many athletes have these burner accounts, how many people who are prominent in uh, in what I do have these burner accounts. I will tell you on my children's uh, on my children's, you know, future inheritance that uh, I have absolutely no burner accounts. And I think it's crazy to even contemplate the idea. But this story is vintage Durant, where he was accused of liking a story having to do with the fact that Kevin Durant was uh, Kevin Durant was rolling through his Instagram account, uh, and he accidentally this is so, so NBA it hurts. He said he accidentally liked an Instagram comment criticizing former teammate Russell Westbrook. I think the likelihood of him accidentally liking that comment of all comments seems to be pretty low, right? I, I I always think about that, like, am I going to accidentally like something? Do you know how many times I've accidentally liked something 
on Twitter? Maybe two or three. And do you know how many times it's been a blockbuster story like this? Not like Kevin Durant accidentally liked some random comment on Instagram that had absolutely nothing to do with anything. If you accidentally like something, it probably means that you pulled it up and were looking at it and were intrigued by it, which leaves me with why, if you were the second best in the world at what you do, like Kevin Durant, why do you need a social media account at all? I understand why if you're the 48th best person at what you do and you're worried about what your career is going to be like when your career is over, why you might decide that you need a social media presence and to be active on social media. If you're the second best in the world at what you do, why even need a social media account? What has Kevin Durant gained himself by having social media accounts? Think about all the time that he has spent on them. If he's the second best in the world at basketball, what does he actually gain by it? I just I, I just don't view that as any kind of worthy use of his time at all. All it's led him is getting caught with a burner account on Twitter and now having to answer questions about accidentally liking Instagram posts involving Russell Westbrook when it seemed like after a couple of years of tumultuousness, his relationship with Russell Westbrook wasn't actually that freighted with discomfort anymore. And now he's probably gone and taken it to the next level. Because if you're Russell Westbrook, you're certainly not going to believe that Kevin Durant accidentally liked an Instagram post that just so happened to criticize you. It's not like he accidentally liked an Instagram post that said, man, Russell Westbrook is so much fun to watch play basketball. It's not like he accidentally liked an Instagram post that said, Kevin, even a praise worthy of him, Kevin Durant's a great player. The only way it's a story is if he does what he does, which is accidentally like, maybe, a story about Russell Westbrook being overrated. Yes, he won the MVP. Yes, he is at the anti, the, basically the exact opposite of Kevin Durant. Now there's, uh, let me bring in uh, uh, Jason Martin. There, we were all looking. I rely almost completely on the website Sport Track to track all player contracts. And unfortunately, it wasn't just me. It's also Danny G and Justin. They say that Russell Westbrook has an out on his contract. And Jason Martin, you say you've been doing research and that he doesn't have any out at all and that that website is wrong, which I've relied on for years to update the latest on the contracts of pretty much every athlete, and that that website that we all three looked at before the show started this morning to check on it, because I was curious um, what exactly the story was with Russell Westbrook, that he has no escape. If he has no escape, then this is even more of, I think, an indictment of his decision-making I thought he had signed that extension and that actually there was a back door that he could get out of. I thought I had read that when he signed it. If he actually has no ability to escape this contract at all, it's even more of an awful decision. Yes, he's going to make a lot of money, but the Thunder are nowhere near competing for any kind of level of championship, and they're 2-7 and seven in the playoffs since they lost that Game 7 to the Golden State Warriors and Kevin Durant left. They lost 4-1 last year to the Houston Rockets. They're likely to lose this year now that they're down 3-1 to the Jazz. And Russell Westbrook is likely to lose Paul George, which is going to make that team that much worse next year. Carmelo Anthony has nothing left. What is his actual ability to get out of this deal? 
I'm still double checking because what you're saying doesn't like I thought that there was probably an opt out somewhere in there as well, but I don't see anything. All I see is that this extension, this five year, two hundred five million dollar contract extension that he signed, which, which at the was end a huge of September, deal, which was a huge deal, deal that everybody history. paid attention to, um, and it was like the it kind of brought home the exact opposite level of him being the opposite of Kevin Durant and how unexpected it was that Westbrook was going to be the guy to commit. But I thought there was a back end where he could get out after a couple of years if he didn't have success. That's what the website Sport Track has, which has been, I mean, to be honest, that's the website that I go to to look at all my NBA and NHL, NFL contract news, and they've never led me astray so far. So when I looked at that, and then Danny G and Robert, uh, sorry, Danny G and Justin did the same thing, but if he's actually locked in and unable to get away, then uh, that's that's something different than what I remembered. And certainly it's even worse for him because the Thunder are, to me, close to becoming an irrelevant franchise with one decent player by next year. What was Russell Westbrook thinking if he hasn't given himself a way out? I mean, unless he just decided he wanted to be the richest guy in NBA history on but one he could contract. Make, yeah, but he could make that money and very similar amounts to it all over the NBA. I know he gets the exemption because he's a player who's there and, and everything else, but I, I just find it impossible to believe that you want to be Russell Westbrook dominating uh, like he has been dominating on the court, but having absolutely no chance whatsoever to actually win a title. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Eddie Garcia. We'll talk about this more on the flip side. But, Eddie, what's shaking the world of sports? Well, let's give you the playoff report presented by Geico in the NBA. The Rockets beat the Timberwolves on the road 119-100. to Houston outscoring Minnesota 50-20 to in the third quarter. That's the second most points scored in a quarter in playoff history. James Harden, Houston's MVP candidate, led the way with 36 points. Houston has a 3-1 series lead. Jazz over the Thunder, 113-96. Utah's Rookie of the Year candidate, Donovan Mitchell, led all scorers with 33 points. After losing the series opener, Utah's won three in a row for the 3-1 series advantage. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, the Capitals eliminate the Blue Jackets with a 6-3 win in Columbus. After losing the first two games at home of the series, Washington went on to win four straight to win the series 4-2. They'll face the Pittsburgh Penguins in round number two and the Maple Leafs avoid elimination with a 3-1 win over the Bruins that series is tied at three while we'll the deciding game seven Wednesday in Boston and this report is brought to you by True Car online car shopping can be confusing not anymore with True Price from True Car now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience and a couple of notes from baseball the Angels shut off the Astros 2-0 LA improving to 15-8 on the year Houston now 16-8 and the Yankees clobber the Twins 14-1. Giancarlo Stanton a home run and his first four-hit game as a Yankee for New York. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Thanks uh, once more. We are live here in the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So 2-7 and seven since Kevin Durant left. The drama of the liked Instagram post uh, notwithstanding. The Thunder are dead, aren't they? I mean, what can the Thunder do at this point to be relevant as a team that wants to win a championship? And if the answer is virtually nothing, because I think everybody out there believes that Paul George is going to leave at the end of this season. And if you were advising Paul George, what would you have seen from the Thunder in the past year that makes you believe you should re-up with them? Kevin Durant uh, leaves. Russell Westbrook left holding the bag. He signs this contract extension, which is going to take him into his 30s at a minimum. 
before he can start to maybe exert pressure to get out of his deal. I'm not even sure that without Paul George next year, the Thunder are a playoff team. What's the solution here? Didn't Kevin Durant, like if you go back and look at this situation right now, Durant is favored to win his second straight championship. Russell Westbrook is favored to go to his second straight first round playoff defeat, even though he's been individually spectacular. Didn't Durant make the right move from a purely business perspective if the goal is to win championships beyond a shadow of a doubt? And didn't Russell Westbrook make a disastrous decision unless your goal is just to win, just to make money? Because he's basically pegged himself to a dying franchise that's, frankly, going to get worse, it would appear to me, each of the next two years at a minimum. I just don't see how they are going to get better. Jason, make the case for me if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan for why this is anything other than a prelude of a long list of disaster coming your way. Well, first off, I agree with you. I think from a business standpoint, if you if you want to win championships, Durant did what Durant had to do. But I'm going to go further than that. As somebody that's watched Oklahoma City pretty closely, obviously, for the last several years, James Harden leaves. We've seen what James Harden's done. Kevin Durant left. We've seen what Kevin Durant has done. Victor Oladipo has become a top 15 scorer in the league, averaged 24.5 points per game this past season, a top 15 three-point shooter at just under 45% a game. He's one of three guards in the league, now averaging at least a steal and a block per game during the regular season. Oladipo was useless for Oklahoma City. DeMontis Sabonis played 66 games in his first season, only had 5.9 points per game. He's doubled his points, he's doubled his rebounds, he's doubled his assists, and he's become a key rotation player on the number 5 seed or in the yeah, in the number 5 seed in the East right now. And then you've got Ennis Cantor before he got hurt and what we've seen him do up in New York since he got out from underneath Russell Westbrook. What it seems to say is that if you play in Oklahoma City, a lot of points are going to be scored. They're not going to be yours. A lot of assists are going to come your way uh, because somebody's trying to stat pad. And it seems like once you leave, a lot of things change. There are several different stat categories. Usage rate, points per game, rebound percentage, assist percentage, and player efficiency rating. This is from a Ringer article that came out back in December that basically suggested that somewhere between 15 and 35% uh, you increase in those categories when you get away from Russell Westbrook in your first non-Westbrook season somewhere else. That's pretty damning in terms of if you're trying to be a player, if you look at that at all or if you pay attention to what's been happening at all, the problem I think for Oklahoma City is if Paul George leaves and they're trying to bring in somebody else and Carmelo Anthony's about to make $29.7 million in his one more season that he's locked in, what exact, who's going to want to come there? As great as the fans are, as great as the ownership is, you're going to go there and you're going to fall into obscurity as a player compared to someone else who seems to be in it more for themselves than they do for the team. There's just too much evidence of guys that have left and gotten so much better. Like How, how did Victor Oladipo do nothing when he was in Oklahoma City and we've seen what Oladipo has done since? That, to me is the huge problem if you're looking at Oklahoma City trying to land other free agents, if they're paying attention at all to what's happened to everybody else that's left. And again, I think you have to go back and recontextualize the Kevin Durant story. Because to me, Durant, 
was so upset by the criticism. I think that's the biggest thing you can say about Durant is that he should have just turned off his social media. And by the way, I think there's a a strong argument to be made that lots of people in this country should just turn off their social media, including our president, by the way. Um, I think there are a lot of people that social media brings out their worst side and they just can't handle it. And I think Kevin Durant is one of them. Now, you can at least argue, oh, well, somebody like Donald Trump, they need social media to get out their message. I'm not sure that's true, but let's even assume that it's true. Okay, I think that social media is a net negative for Donald Trump personally. I know it's a net negative for Kevin Durant because he gets hurt by what he reads. He cares way too much about what other people say about him. I'll use you as an example. Kevin Durant is the second best player in the world, probably almost a worst-case scenario at what he does. I am not anywhere near the second best at what I do in the world. Probably not right now, okay? But I don't really spend any time paying attention to what people tell me on social media. It has, I I legitimately believe this, almost zero impact on a day-to-day in terms of how I feel. It makes my job better because I'm able to use it for distribution and use it basically as a megaphone to promote what we're doing. But there's very little time, if at all, where anything anybody has said about me on social media has ever impacted me. And if I, and I'm a scintilla as famous as Kevin Durant and a scintilla as good at what I do as Kevin Durant is. If I can come to that conclusion that social media really doesn't impact me at all, and I don't ever go out seeking other people's opinions of me. Why in the world is Kevin Durant doing this? Because I think one of the reasons why the criticism rained down on Kevin Durant because he went to the Golden State Warriors is because it became so self-evident that he was bothered by the criticism. Just turn off your social media accounts. If you never get on Instagram again, If you never get on Twitter again, if you never get on anything other than being able to text people that you know and have face-to-face interactions with them, aren't you probably going to feel better if you're Kevin Durant? Now, he's he's getting validated here, I think, in a big way because all the data you just gave us about everybody getting better without Russell Westbrook, I think Durant's a smart guy, and I think he looked around at Russell Westbrook and said... He's an incredible talent, but he is a meteor streaking across the night sky. He is a soul, unbelievable, incredible sight to behold, but he's a a solo act. He's not a guy who's going to make everybody else around him better. And I think that's what you have to say based on the data when you look at Russell Westbrook right now. And if that is true... And certainly when you look at the data of a guy like Oladipo and when you look at what Paul George and Carmelo Anthony have become this year, I don't think they've taken some unbelievable step to become a massively successful team. I think you have to go look at the actual results. It's not a great Jazz team. It's not an unstoppable Jazz team. Ricky Rubio is having the best postseason of his career. By far, the first postseason of his career, I believe, since he left the Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves weren't in the playoffs for 13 years. And he's doing it at Russell Westbrook's expense. And now Westbrook 
is two and seven in the postseason since Kevin Durant left. I just see this as a no-brainer. Russell Westbrook is probably, probably the most overrated player in the modern history of the NBA. Great individual talent. Yes, he can fill in a stat sheet, but he can't do what's the most important thing, which is win in the NBA playoffs once they actually arrive. And if he can't do it this year with Paul George, and if he can't do it with this year's version of Carmelo Anthony, why is he going to be able to do it at all in the years ahead, however long he stays committed to Oklahoma City? And or is Oklahoma City going to, at some point, just decide, you know what? We've got to completely rebuild. We're going to be a 35-win team with Russell Westbrook posting a lot of big numbers in the years ahead if you look at where this franchise is headed. We'll talk about it. I'll open up the phone lines. 877-996-6369. Final segment, Hour 1. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Love seeing Mitt Romney breaking out the uh, jazz jersey last night, wearing it over a button-down shirt, which is the uh, most Mitt Romney move imaginable. Although, to be fair, I can't imagine Mitt Romney wearing a basketball jersey and not looking a little bit awkward. He's going to be running for Senate now uh, from the uh, the state of Utah. And uh, I, I think it's fair to ask the question, is this a – I mean, I, 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 maybe it's not even fair to ask the question. I actually believe it. I think it's an unmitigated disaster for the Thunder right now. For them to put together the team that they did and to make all the moves in the offseason that they did that was designed to create a Western Conference team to make a run at certainly the Rockets and certainly at the Warriors, if they bow out like they are bowing out right now, I think you have to reconsider everything about Russell Westbrook and where he ranks in the pantheon of NBA stars right now. Because they're 2-7 and seven since Durant left. Right? I mean, Jason, I mean, this is, uh, this is if they lose this series. It's one thing for the Pelicans to sweep into the second round of the playoffs. I don't think anybody anticipated that happening. But I don't think it's a unbelievable outcome in the grand scheme of things for the Trailblazers. Because I don't think coming back this year, people thought, oh, the Trailblazers are going to be a legitimate contender in the Western Conference. I think the expectation was when this season tipped off that the three best teams in the Western Conference were going to be the Warriors, the Rockets, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And if the Thunder, with a rental of Paul George, if they bow out as quickly as it appears they are going to bow out, and if Carmelo Anthony has fallen as far as he's fallen, Russell Westbrook is fake gold. He is sitting there in Oklahoma City and he's made the decision that Kevin Durant could have made, which is committing to a franchise and players, in particular Russell Westbrook, that didn't give him a chance to win a championship. People won't like it when a guy leaves, but Durant took less money to win a championship. Russell Westbrook took as much money as possible to be a borderline playoff team for maybe the rest of his career. That's pretty and that's pretty much an indictment of everything surrounding Russell Westbrook. And frankly, 
I don't know how it changes. Who Who's out there that Jason Martin that you could persuade to join the Thunder when I think as we all anticipate, Paul George is going to leave and probably head back to, to L.A.? See, that's my question. I don't I don't know. I mean, like I said, the stats that I've read in that last segment and just breaking it all down, I'm not sure why you would want to join that team if you're interested in becoming a superstar on your own because there's so much evidence that when you start to play with Russell Westbrook, it affects your career, certainly your statistical career, very negatively. I mean, Victor Oladipo, just one quick one, went from 47 touches a game in Oklahoma City, which was the equivalent of Matt Barnes and Joakim Noah, to this year well over 60 by December and even higher since then, which puts him in the class of DeMar DeRozan and Bradley Beal. If you're Victor Oladipo, where do you want to play? What do you want to do? Who do you want to be in the NBA? Do you want to sit there and get 47 touches where you're expected to shoot within two seconds of getting the basketball? Or do you want to actually have control, have usage rate, be able to actually work and potentially become a superstar on your own? And I feel like any NBA player that's really thinking about it, especially why do you want to go in the West now and go to Oklahoma City? Who's going to go play with Russell Westbrook that's going to dethrone Golden State and what they have right now and what Houston has built up right now? It seems like a really ugly situation, and it's the seventh oldest roster in the NBA, which is one of the problems we had seen with the Cavs before they made their moves as well. So it's just it's not very good right now. No, and, and I think it's a huge story uh, for the future of the NBA that Russell Westbrook against Kevin Durant feud, the Instagram post, everything else. I can't imagine, is there anybody out there who would argue that Kevin Durant made the wrong decision now? Russell Westbrook individually has had a great deal of success, but how much of that individual success is total fool's gold? And again, how much of it is just him being a meteor streaking off across the night sky? He is a solo act in a league that demands that you not be a solo act at all. You need to be a strong teammate. Next up, let's talk in NFL draft here on the Geico Outkick Show. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We broke down some of the NBA and the NHL in hour one as you're starting with us uh, in hour two. Hope your morning is going well. Thanks for hanging with us here on Outkick uh, on your Tuesday morning. want to encourage you to go download the podcast, as uh, millions of you are doing. Uh, we appreciate all the support out there, especially Justin Cooper, who gets blamed immediately anytime anything isn't 100% perfect on the podcast. And I don't think you've had any major snafus lately, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen again at any point. But go search out OutKick. Go subscribe. Uh, we appreciate all of you uh, chasing down the story wherever you may be. Uh, we are two days from the NFL Draft. And we were scheduled to have Saquon Barkley here an hour or two, but he's going to have a uh, his girlfriend or fiance, I think, is about to have a baby. So they had to cancel with us because uh, what was the what was the email you got, Jason Martin? Just that he is going to become an eminent father is what it said in the email. So I guess it could happen this morning or it could happen this afternoon. He was going to talk to us and immediately hop on an airplane and fly to the draft. We were the last people that he was going to speak with before he headed out and he had to cancel every media availability he had which he had you know he was going to talk to a bunch of a bunch of people today i think he's going to do a couple of morning shows on like the major networks as well in advance of the draft so uh big time for saquon barkley what a week about to become rich obviously and now he's also going to become a father 
Wow. Uh, a lot of things happening all at once for Saquon Barkley. Well, I, I did think this was intriguing. This is from uh, sportsbookreview.com. Uh, they put out the odds to be selected first overall in the 2018 NFL draft. And we have talked about a lot of these guys, and we've broken them down, and we'll do a little bit more of that today as well. But I always like to go look at the offshore markets and see where is the money actually being bet because that will give you a pretty good sense for maybe what's going to go on. Uh, These markets tend to be pretty accurate. And right now, Sam Darnold is minus 240 to be the overall number one pick. And Josh Allen is plus 160. So this has been the case for a little while, but Darnold seems to be creeping out a little bit more every day in terms of being favored to be the overall number one pick. Josh Allen staying right around that second spot. Uh, But Sam Darnold now out to minus 240. Josh Allen plus 160. Saquon Barkley, who we just mentioned at uh, at 5-1 to to be the the number one overall pick. And then you drop off uh, appreciably in a hurry. Baker Mayfield 10-1. Josh Rosen 18-1. And then Bradley Chubb is at 45 to 1. So I, I want to poll the crew here and see what they think about this. But if you had to pick one of these guys at the quarterback position, I'll toss in Lamar Jackson right now as well. Here is how I would rank them. Okay. I'm not even going to get into ranking any other player right now because I believe Saquon Barkley is the least risky pick in the draft. I've said that for a long time. Uh, I know that we've had the Trent Richardsons of the world get drafted high and turn into complete busts, but I believe having watched Saquon Barkley play an awful lot of games over the years, I think the odds of him going out and becoming a total bust of all of the guys that are being considered at number one overall is minimal. But I also think that his overall impact is also likely to be minimal. And it's unfortunate for Saquon Barkley, but I was talking about this stat yesterday This is, to me, uh, an amazing stat. The top 10 most expensive players at their positions five years ago. You want to talk about how the NFL has evolved. This is pretty eye-opening, I think. The most valuable positions five years ago in the NFL. Quarterback, the top 10 quarterbacks were making an average of $15 million a year. Defensive ends. The top 10 defensive ends were making an average of $10.7 million a year cornerback was the third most important position at 9.9 million a year then wide receiver at 8.9 million left tackle at 8.8 million and tight end at 6.1 million all right that was the breakdown of positions and how NFL teams were valuing them just five years ago okay number one was quarterback number two was defensive end number three was cornerback uh, number, uh, number uh, and I didn't even put in running back. The running back there was above the tight end, just behind a left tackle, and just behind a wide receiver. All right, there wasn't that much difference, in other words. Let me hit those numbers for you again. This is five years ago. Quarterback were the most valuable at $15.2 million, top 10 at every position. So the best players at all of these positions. Second most valuable were defensive ends. Third most valuable were cornerbacks. Left tackles, uh, sorry, wide receivers, left tackles, and running backs were all almost identical at between 8.4 and 8.9 million. And then tight ends were at 6.1 million. All right. So five years ago, running backs were valued just about the same 
as left tackles and wide receivers. Now listen to what's happened in the game of football. Quarterbacks' salaries have skyrocketed. In the last five years, the top 10 quarterbacks have gone from averaging $15 million a year to $25.5 million a year. Wide receiver salaries have also skyrocketed, nearly up like 80% from $8.9 million to $14.1 million. Wide receivers have gone from being paid roughly the same as running backs to being the third highest paid players in the NFL. Defensive ends are still the second highest paid in the NFL after quarterbacks. And really, if you think, oh, why are defensive ends so valuable? That's more of a function of how valuable the quarterback has become, right? Because the defensive end, the rush defensive end who can get to the quarterback actually tries to take away the value of the quarterback. And the wide receiver increasing also shows you how much more the value of the passing game in general has been raised. Left tackle and cornerbacks both also up substantially. The four highest paid positions in the NFL right now, quarterback one, defensive end two, wide receiver three, cornerback four. All of it passing game, right? All of that directly relates to the passing game in the NFL. Quarterback throwing to wide receiver, cornerback covering the wide receiver, and defensive end sacking the quarterback. All four of the highest paid positions directly involve the passing game. Then you've got the left tackle, who is the fifth highest paid. And guess what? Why is the left tackle valuable? Because he's protecting the quarterback's blind side on average if he's the left tackle. The tight end is now, on average, higher paid. And the running back has fallen all the way to $7.54 million. Every other position in the last five years in the NFL has increased in value, except for the running back. Running backs have become a dime a dozen. Again, that's the salary cap numbers for the top 10 players at every position, according to Warren Sharp at Sharp Football. If that doesn't tell you how the game has evolved, I don't know what does. And so Saquon Barkley is finding himself an incredibly talented wide receiver, or sorry, running back, at a time when his position has never been less valued. And so as a result, I wonder on some level whether Saquon Barkley could fall a little bit in the draft, even though a lot of us, myself included, feel like he's an incredible difference maker. And even though we've seen just in the last few years the impact that a high draft pick at running back can make. Leonard Fournette made a big difference for Blake Bortles in that Jacksonville offense. Ezekiel Elliott made a tremendous difference for the Dallas Cowboys, such that the Cowboys felt like they could let go a guy like Des Bryant. And certainly there are a lot of guys out there that believe that Saquon Barkley can be the next in that line. Maybe there's starting to be a little bit of a change. Everything is old is new again. Ezekiel Elliott, big difference with the Cowboys. Leonard Fournette, big difference with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Could Saquon Barkley make that kind of impact for the team that drafts him? Maybe. But his overall position value in general has plummeted over the last five years in this league. That's good data about how all the teams of the NFL are valuing different positions. All right, having said that, I told you that I will break down these five quarterbacks 
if with my brilliant X's and O's and football knowledge, I was breaking these guys down. I'm going to do that for you next when we come back out of the break. And I want you to know, I have watched, I bet that I have watched more live Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and uh, and certainly Baker Mayfield games than almost anybody who talks about sports. I, I mean that honestly. You, you guys know for college football, I sit down at noon Eastern and I watch games until 2 uh, at the in 2 a.m. Eastern when all the Pac-12 games are over. So I have seen those four guys play a ton. Now, to be fair, I've had to go back and just look at Josh Allen because I've only watched a couple of Josh Allen games over over the course of uh, of the past several seasons. As much as I love college football, I wasn't willing to give my full attention to Wyoming when there were a lot of other games featuring bigger teams and bigger names playing. But the other four guys, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on. I will rank them for you if I were making my own draft board. How would I break down those five guys, and why would I put them where I will? I'm not just telling you who I think is going to be good immediately, but who I think is going to be the best of this bunch. The OutKick Live rankings of the quarterbacks. I know you've been waiting for this moment for your entire life. We'll have it next. Maybe we'll have some dramatic music in the background. All of that still to come. Thank you for spending your Tuesday morning with us. I'm Clay Travis, live from the Geico OutKick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. All right, do we have any music, any dramatic music for the outkick? Uh, my ranking of the top five quarterbacks of the Reve. There we go. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Gets the juices flowing two days in advance of the draft. By the way, I still reserve the right to adjust my top five quarterbacks between now and Thursday morning when the final draft day arrives. But if I were ranking the five quarterbacks available at the top of everybody's draft board this year, I'm going to go in reverse order. Number five overall, Lamar Jackson. I am not a believer in Lamar Jackson. Maybe he is going to turn into an unbelievable transcendent athlete at the quarterback position who can also consistently make every big throw from the pocket. But I have watched Lamar Jackson play his entire career at Louisville, and I have not seen him evolve very much as a pocket passer. I have complete faith in Bobby Petrino's ability as an offensive coach, and I think he put Lamar Jackson in a lot of situations from a passing perspective to succeed. I think Lamar Jackson can make every throw, but I very rarely saw him do anything other than go to his first option and then run. And I don't think that's going to work in the NFL where they take away your first option pretty consistently and where you have to be incredibly accurate. Furthermore, I think Lamar Jackson is a pretty slight guy. In other words, he's not that big. He's not that strong. I think he's going to break down I think he's RG3 without the accuracy from the pocket. I think that is not good for his future. I do not have faith right now in Lamar Jackson. Combine that with his Wonderlick score and what he has done when he's played against SEC defenses, which are the most similar to what he's going to see in the NFL. 
I am not a believer in Lamar Jackson. I would not draft him as my quarterback in the first round. So I have got him at five. Then I would say at the four spot, I'm going to go with Josh Allen. I don't believe in Josh Allen. I just don't. Now, I do believe that it's a a sign of how crazy we have become when it comes to breaking down quarterbacks. To me, Josh Allen, the fact that there were people who tracked down his completion percentage in JV high school. Did you guys see that? Jason Martin, find that. I'm going to put you on the spot. Go find that stat. This made me want to rate Josh Allen higher than I actually was. I'm telling you right now, the moment that I saw Josh Allen, somebody had tracked down his JV passing percentage. I want to say he completed less than 50% of his JV passes. The fact that somebody had those stats shows how crazy the research that we have is. But to me, if you cannot complete a higher percentage than he did, I don't care how your offensive line is. I don't care how your wide receiving talent is, if you cannot complete higher than 60% of your passes in college at a school like Wyoming playing against the level of corner talent that you're going to see, which ain't going to be that high, it's not like there's incredible safeties in that entire league, it's not like there's lockdown corners, Josh Allen reminds me of Zach Mettenberger. Big arm, and was just unable to translate that big arm into the NFL. Mettenberger was a disaster. I also think he's got a little bit of Jake Locker in him, where when Jake Locker got drafted number eight overall, the Titans came out and they said, you know what we can do? We can work on his completion percentage. We went and looked back at his completion percentage over those years at Washington He didn't have a good offensive line. He had a lot of drops, all these things. And then when you actually got to it, guess what happened when Jake Locker got to the NFL? He was inaccurate. You don't become an accurate passer in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. It's so much harder. The windows are so much smaller. The talent of the defensive backs is so much better. Was I wrong? That was his community college percentage. We've got 2011 JV. 59.5. This is unbelievable to me. Junior varsity high school completion percentages. Varsity his first year, he was 50.8. Varsity his senior year, he was 57.4. Josh Allen has never completed over 60% of his passes, not going all the way back to his JV stats at uh, high school. All the way through. Wyoming last year, 56.3. 2006 Wyoming, 56%. At community college, this guy completed 49% of his passes. I'm not an expert on community college football. I think I could complete 49% of my passes in community college football right now. And I'm 39 years old and not in that great a shape and only six foot tall. So my bottom two positions, I'm going with Lamar Jackson five. I'm going with Josh Allen four in the three spot. In the three spot. Now, these three, I think there's a big gap but for me between the top three and four and five. All right, you can cite this for years to come. The outkick quarterback rankings, if I'm wrong, and Josh Allen turns into Carson Wentz. And if I'm wrong and, uh, and we get 
Lamar Jackson turning into Aaron Rodgers, then you guys can come back and you can say, Clay Travis, you were an idiot. If you'd been drafting, you'd have gotten fired as GM. There's no doubt. My top three. I'm going Baker Mayfield three. Here's the deal with Baker Mayfield. I am not willing to buy into Baker Mayfield for this reason. Who is a quarterback out there who plays the quarterback position like he does? Maybe you can say Brett Favre was insanely fiery. Maybe you can argue Aaron Rodgers is. How many guys can you point to that play as much with their emotion on their sleeves as Baker Mayfield does? Now, the planting the flag doesn't bother me. The grabbing the groin on the sideline doesn't bother me. But all of these things rolled in together. The choke line, it's over like he said on the sideline during the Georgia game. I think that's really entertaining. But I think on the field what we have learned is that in the NFL, you want a cerebral general as your tactician in charge. Cam Newton plays in an effervescent style. But Cam Newton is a physical freak. He's one of the biggest guys on the football field. Baker Mayfield playing like he does, as undersized as he will be relatively speaking, is not something that I think is going to work out. I loved Johnny Manziel watching him play in college football. I loved watching Baker Mayfield play in college football. I like their vim, their vigor, their vitality in general. I like the energy that they play with, the fact that they have to take, I believe, in order to play at a high level, their game to the extreme. They need that edge. They have to play on that edge. I don't think you can live on that edge. And I don't think you can consistently win on that edge in the NFL. And so I'm not a believer in Baker Mayfield ultimately being able to get everything done that he needs to playing with that edge. If you told me that he could play like Russell Westbrook, which I think is the best possible comparison for Baker Mayfield. He's not as athletic as Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook has legitimately ice water in the veins. Sorry, I've been talking about Russell Westbrook for the whole first hour. We need the idea that Russell Westbrook and Russell Wilson have such similar names destroys me here. Russell Wilson has got ice water in his veins. He doesn't let you know emotionally what he is thinking from one moment to the next. And so to me, best case scenario Baker Mayfield is Russell Wilson. He isn't as athletic as Wilson is. And he doesn't restrain his emotions. My third quarterback is Baker Mayfield. Now we're down to the final two. To the LA boys. Josh Rosen versus Sam Darnold. And this one is actually a really tough call for me, too, because I do think I think there's a big gap for me between three and four. I like Baker Mayfield a lot more than I like Josh Allen and I like Lamar Jackson. Josh Rosen versus Sam Darnold. Best case scenario, let me break these guys down for you. Best case scenario, I think, for Sam Darnold is Andrew Luck. I remember texting with, uh, with a bunch of people during the, uh, during the Penn State against... USC game in the Rose Bowl. The game that made Sam Darnold a star. And prior to that, I'd also thought, man, you know what this guy has? This guy has got Andrew Luck 
all about him. He can throw from odd angles. He's athletic. He's more athletic than you anticipate that he is going to be. He can move in the pocket well. He can throw the football from so many different angles. I think the ceiling may be higher for Sam Darnold than for Josh Rosen. But I just look at Josh Rosen. I look at the fact that I think he played in an awful system at UCLA. They changed offenses on him every year. I think Sam Darnold is better able to take hits. I think that Josh Rosen is the best available quarterback. So I'm slotting Sam Darnold in it too. And I'm going a little bit on a flyer here with Josh Rosen as the best available quarterback in this year's draft. I like everything about the way that Rosen carries himself. I like the fact that he is a prototypical pocket passer. I like the fact that he's trying to look downfield and make plays. I like the fact that I know he's got the intelligence to do everything that he needs to do in the quarterback position. A little bit of a surprise, I think, probably. The outkick top five in order. I'd go Josh Rosen number one overall. I think Rosen is the least likely of this entire group to be a bust. Now, I'm a little bit apprehensive that his ceiling may not be as high as Sam Darnold's. So if you go Darnold, I think it's because of what he can become. But I'm a little bit nervous about Sam Darnold's ability. I watched him play so much at USC, and I didn't feel like at snap he knew every time exactly what he was going to do. I felt like when I watched Josh Rosen, even though they left him in that pocket and his offensive line collapsed, at snap, Josh Rosen knew exactly what he needed to do. He had total command of that offense. And so I'm going Rosen 1, I'm going Sam Darnold 2, I'm going Baker Mayfield 3, Josh Allen 4, and Lamar Jackson 5. What do you think about that breakdown? The outkick top 5 for the quarterbacks? We'll talk about it on the flip side, but first... Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. All right, Clay, and it's time for our playoff report presented by Geico in the NBA. The Rockets top the Timberwolves on the road, 119-100. to Houston outscoring Minnesota 50-20 to in the third quarter en route to the win. That's the second most points scored in a quarter in playoff history in the NBA. Houston MVP candidate James Harden led all scorers with 36 points as Houston grabs a 3-1 series lead. Jazz over the Thunder, 113-96. Utah's Rookie of the Year candidate Donovan Mitchell led all scorers with 33 points. After losing the series opener, Utah's now won three in a row and they grab a 3-1 series lead. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Capitals eliminate the Blue Jackets with a 6-3 win in Columbus. Washington's Alexander Ovechkin had a pair of goals after losing the first two games at home. Washington won four straight to win the series 4-2. They'll face Pittsburgh in round number two. Third year in a row they'll be meeting Pittsburgh in the playoffs. And the Maple Leafs avoid elimination with a 3-1 win over the Bruins. That series is tied at 3-3. A deciding game save will be a game seven will be Wednesday in Boston. That is the only game seven we'll have in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price and True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and Enjoy more confident car buying experience. One note from the NFL where San Francisco 49ers GM John Lynch told reporters if the charges against former number one pick and linebacker Reuben Foster are true, that Foster won't be a part of the organization. He's facing Foster facing three felonies, including domestic violence, and he is due back in court next Monday. That is our Geico Outkick the Coverage update.
the challenge there is that it could take a year or more for there to be a resolution of these charges. And what does he mean by, what do the 49ers mean by if they're true? So does that mean if he pleads guilty to a lesser charge? Does that mean that they're acknowledging that they're true or not? I mean, that sounds good in theory. If the allegations are true, he won't be a 49er anymore. But anybody who's worked in the criminal justice system knows that the definition of what is true can be very difficult to unpack, especially in cases like these where very frequently if you have a top attorney, you negotiate a plea deal and end up pleading pleading guilty to something that's a lesser charge. So is that considered to be a violent felony? Or does he have to be found guilty of the exact charges that have been levied against him right now? Because I think that's unlikely. It's unlikely this case will end up going to trial. And if it does go to trial, it could take a year or more to actually go to trial. So in the meantime, is Reuben Foster just sitting on the sideline, not playing at all? How does that work? Doesn't he have to still be paid his contractual money that he's owed? I mean, this is a that's a pretty big mess for the 49ers to find themselves in, and I don't know how they get out of it. And also, I don't know how they apply that standard that they just applied there at the end of the break. That's something to pay attention to. Again, the Reuben Foster arrest and the standard that's being applied by the 49ers. If he's not going to play this entire year, in theory, he gets all of his money because he might get suspended by the NFL for you know, six games for domestic abuse, I guess is the most they could suspend him for, right, under their existing policy. But then he would still be eligible to be paid the other 10 years, and he would get credit under his contract for another year served, I believe, working towards his rookie contract being on uh, being, you know, finished. Uh, but that's a story to pay attention to. We have lots of time to talk about that. I just broke down my top five. I want to get your guys' opinions. If you're just waking up across the country, major news here as we prepare for the draft. I gave you my top five quarterbacks in order. Josh Rosen, one. Sam Darnold, two. Third spot, Baker Mayfield. Fourth spot, Josh Allen. Fifth spot, Lamar Jackson. What say you, Jason Martin? We agreed until we got to one and two. Um, And I've got Mason Rudolph as a potential Dak Prescott uh, coming into this mix later on but my top five is Darnold Rosen Mayfield Allen and Jackson one to five I you know I've read a couple of things about Lamar Jackson over the past few days comparisons about how he's a better passer than Michael Vick was in college he projects more if he continues if he if he actually succeeds in the NFL as a quarterback he could potentially be a Steve McNair type player who of course we know a lot uh here in nashville and certainly if that were the case that would be quite a success for lamar jackson's career but i look at darnold and rosen and i think darnold's floor i just don't see that dude being a bust i think darnold's floor is like philip rivers and i think he certainly can be the high end of andrew luck but i think philip rivers is a guy that also could apply to baker mayfield because rivers is a guy that plays on the edge he's a guy that if you play against him you're not a real big fan of that guy Fans in other stadiums can't stand him. He plays a little bit on the emotional side. By, of by the ball. way, hold. Yeah, it's not a bad analogy. But if you are saying that that you think Sam Darnold's floor is Philip Rivers, and his ceiling is is Andrew Luck, then that is one of the surest things in the history of the NFL draft. Like Philip Rivers is an incredible quarterback. Yes, yes. He so is. if you believe, I, I think it's crazy to say that Sam Darnold's floor is one of the best careers in the last 20 years for an NFL quarterback. 
And there's an argument out there that you could make that Philip Rivers has been much more successful than Andrew Luck so that Philip Rivers would be the ceiling as opposed to Luck. To me, Darnold, and I watched every every game, every big game that Darnold played, and every game, generally, I watched him play during his career. He was incredibly erratic. I think that Sam Darnold, if you look at the history of USC quarterbacks, whether it's Matt Leinart, who's a good buddy of mine, but obviously did not pan out in the NFL, whether it's Carson Palmer, who's the only one in like the last 25 years that's actually won a playoff game, uh, whether like the only USC quarterback who's actually exceeded expectations, I would say in the last 25 years, is Matt Castle. And that's because Matt Castle was not expected to do anything, and he's still in the league now, even though the, the idea that he was even going to get drafted wasn't upset. So I look at Sam Darnold, and I see mega bust potential for him. I, I okay. the guy that that's why I put Rosen one. I don't think Rosen is going to be a mega bust. Like Rosen is a prototypical pocket passer who's going to see the field well and can make every throw. If he has a good offensive line, I think he'll be fine. I don't know that I believe that his ceiling is like. NFL All Pro level. Or I didn't either. I, I misspoke. You, you didn't let me kind of fix that. I'm not saying he's floor. I'm saying he's on that Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers trajectory. I think that the other comparison, and I've seen this made, if it weren't to work for Sam Darnold, okay, he has some tendencies of Jameis Winston in his game in terms of being I erratic. Can see that. The fact he yeah. can make outstanding throws, but he also has misreads at times, and sometimes he throws you into bad situations. Now, Andrew Luck had a tendency to throw a bad interception as well when he was at Stanford, but I think that I just feel like Sam Darnold, to me, I loved him last year. I still love him this year. I'm not a huge fan of his coaching staff at USC. I don't think that the talent around him was particularly great. I love his attitude. I love his willingness and how badly it seems like he wants to win wherever it is that he goes. I just really like that guy. Now, I think Rosen is probably the most ready to play right out of the gate. Some other people are going to disagree with that. Uh, I'm not bothered by his attitude at all. I'm not bothered by the fact that he's more cultured or more interested in, in other things. I don't think that that affects anything as long as he's a good football player, and I think that he is. So I think, look, Darnold and Rosen, we'll have to see. We're gonna we're not going to know for years how this all plays out. Mayfield at three I think is the only place that you can place him because you just don't know who you're going to get. You're either going to get Johnny Manziel or you're going to get a little bit more of an explosive Russell Wilson without quite the athleticism of Russell Wilson. Then when it comes to Josh Allen, poor Josh Allen, who all he did was play football and everybody built him up like he was his top five pick, top top pick in the draft. Maybe the Browns are going to select him. And now we've got his JV and community college stats. How unbelievable is it that people track down his JV football? I I think the fact that that actually happened – is maybe the most remarkable thing about this year's NFL draft. Did you yeah, play everybody crazy. who out there who played JV sports? Can you imagine somebody having your JV sports stats? Like how how did they keep those and how did somebody track them down? I mean, I wouldn't there was I don't somebody believe in the validity of them. Yeah, but there's somebody out there charting your JV quarterback throws and they get trotted out there as evidence of how inaccurate you are I mean the guy's 14 years old in JV football and somebody's like well he only completed 59 percent of his JV football throw I I just I find it unbelievable that there are actual stats of his JV football career I don't ever remember seeing this before no it's never done it's never been done before there is a business now I think in people wanting to be ahead of the Josh Allen bus train 
where they want to come out and basically say, look, well, we threw the stats out there. They're finding any reason every day to throw something out there to tell you that Josh Allen sucks at football because they didn't like where he was positioned. They don't think he's a first-round pick. They think he's a bust waiting to happen. And look, I think he's probably going to be a bust as well. But I think we need to back off going to community college to get his 49% completion stat before he was ever even in college. Let's community slow college just a little bit. Community college is at least a little bit more accurate because you're an I guess adult. better than JV, yeah. JV football stats being cited as how inaccurate you are is wild to me you're 14 or 15 years old and if we're gonna say like we don't know about his wide receivers we don't know about his offensive line what about the jv offensive line what about the jv wide receivers i mean he might have had think about how often you see uh grown men dropping passes think about you're throwing to a five foot four 14 year old wide out who might not have great hands uh that's an unbelievable stat we'll continue to break this down for you i'm clay travis this is outkick the coverage on fox sports radio Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Want to go out to LA, the two biggest uh, probably, I think, in terms of uh, the debate. I, I think it's going to be Sam Darnold. I think the, the uh, Cleveland, ever since we saw Jimmy Haslam at Sam Darnold's pro day sitting in the, in the stands with the parents at, at USC, the offshore perspectives are telling us, the odds market is telling us it's likely to be Sam Darnold and it's down to Sam Darnold or Josh Allen. I think there's a possibility. It's a, maybe an outlandish one a little bit, but it's one that we've talked about on this show where the Browns could go take two guys if they're not really sure and certainly if the Giants keep their pick at two and go Saquon Barkley. I think the Jets at three are going to take a quarterback. That would mean that the Browns could theoretically take two of the top three quarterbacks. I don't think they're going to do that. I think that's a small possibility out there, but I think it's worth contemplating a little bit. I think we're going to have five quarterbacks go off the board fairly quickly. But for you guys out in L.A., my my five, if you're just waking up, I, I know you've been sitting around for a long time saying, how is Clay Travis going to break down the top five quarterbacks in this draft? And my draft order, having watched all these guys play a lot, with the exception of Josh Allen, I'll be honest with you, it's not like I've set in uh, in a film room watching every throw that Josh Allen has made for Wyoming. But the other four guys, I watched them play every big game of their careers and a ton of their games over the last several years. And I'm going Josh Allen one, Sam Darnold two, Baker Mayfield three. In the four spot, I'm going to go with Josh Allen, and I don't have a lot of faith in Lamar Jackson. What about you guys? Yeah, did I say who did I say one? You did the other Josh. You said Josh Allen one. But this you, it's what happens with see my board the controversy Josh's. I'm like the Minnesota Vikings I'm not getting my pick in in time uh yeah Josh yeah. Rosen one Josh Allen four too many Joshes out there <laughs> Josh Rosen one Sam Darnold two I'm going Baker Mayfield three I'm going Josh Allen four and I'm going Lamar Jackson five yeah wouldn't that be incredible if the Browns took both Joshes if they took Rosen at one and Allen at four that would be uh, crazy it, it would be wild I mean those guys are kind of prototypical I would say those two are almost the most different of the top five because I think yeah. Josh Allen is all projection and I think Josh Rosen is all ready um, in terms of guys who are ready to go week one I think that Josh Rosen is by far the most ready to go week one the difficulty I think with Josh Rosen is just knowing how high is his ceiling uh, relative to some of these other guys I think he can get a lot better because 
of all the different offenses he had to deal with at at uh, UCLA, the fact that they never blocked for him, that he took a lot of big hits, uh, and that uh, that they put a lot of onus on him from basically the moment he came out as a true freshman and started making plays. Yeah. So uh, so that's why I like him overall at number one. Yeah, I agree with you. I have Rosen slightly ahead of Darnold. I I got to see both of them play a ton here in Southern California. Rosen absolutely did more with less. He reminds me the most of Tom Brady as far as being a, an intelligent leader on the field. Then I so I'd go Darnold two, Baker Mayfield three, and this, this is where I differ from your list. I'd actually have Lamar Jackson four. And like Jason, I wrote Steve McNair down next to his name. Now, he famously had a 10 on his Wonderlick, right? Uh, I don't remember what – I think McNair got like a 16 or something. Okay. Vince Young got, got an incredibly low score on the Wonderlick. The difference I would, I would analogize there is Steve McNair was a big, strong, strapping guy who could take hits – as he scrambled in the NFL game. And also remember, McNair played in a different era when for the first several years of McNair's career, that was an Eddie George-based team. It it took McNair a while to kind of come into his own, and McNair became an excellent quarterback. Uh, He won the co-MVP with Peyton Manning uh, one of his last years with the Titans. But I just McNair took a lot of big hits over the years. I don't think that Lamar Jackson has the physical body structure. You know, you look at him. He's a pretty skinny guy. McNair was like, you know, the kind of guy they called country strong, you know, where like McNair had never lifted a weight before and he just like been carrying around hay bells his whole life, you know, like back in the day. So McNair was just a big bruising dude. Uh, I don't see that for Lamar Jackson. That That's one of my well, concerns about Lamar Jackson. Lamar just could- physically, he doesn't have that, that, that kind of – ability to withstand hits that's true he's smaller than mcnair he could bulk up and the other thing is clay if if you don't let them hit you then you know you uh decrease your chance of injury lamar is great on his feet so we'll see what happens with him with josh allen i just think he's overrated by everyone and i'm not hoping he's going to be a bust but i lived through jamarcus russell so i hate hearing about a quote-unquote big arm yeah, no, I understand that. Look, Jamarcus Russell was one of the most physically imposing players in SEC football history. I mean, when you saw him lining up under center, he looked like Godzilla. I mean, you were like, oh my God, you know, compared to everybody else on the on the field. And he just never had it all come together. And I can understand that that reticence for like the, the guy who has the big arm is always going to be sexy. Remember Kyle Bowler? Everybody's like, man, he can hit the goalpost from his knees. And you're like, yeah, okay, well, how often is he going to have to make that throw in a game? And the answer is not very often at all. Final hour of the show. Up next, we're going to talk with Petros Papadakis and more next on OutKick. In the NBA playoffs, the Rockets topped the Timberwolves on the road, 119-100. to Houston outscored Minnesota 50-20 to in the third quarter. It's the second most points scored in a quarter in NBA playoff history. Houston's MVP candidate James Harden led all scorers with 36 points. Houston leads the series three games to one. Jazz topped the Thunder, 113-96. to Utah's Rookie of the Year candidate Donovan Mitchell led all scorers with 33 points. After losing the series opener, Utah's now 1-3 in a row to take a 3-1 series lead. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, the Capitals... Eliminate the Blue Jackets in Columbus with a 6-3 win. Washington's Alexander Vetchkin had two goals after losing the first two games of this series at home. Washington reeled off four straight wins to win the series 4-2 and advance to face Pittsburgh in round two. Maple Leafs avoid elimination with a 3-1 win over the Bruins. That series is now tied at 3-3. Game seven will be Wednesday in Boston. I'm Eddie Garcia. Live from the Geico Outkick.
Kick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote wherever you are across the country as you wake up. Thank you for spending your Tuesday morning with us here on OutKick. Uh, I am breaking down the biggest stories in the world of sports and beyond. And uh, in particular, we'll start off, for those of you waking up on the West Coast, with what I think is probably likely to be the truth. Uh, the Western Conference in the NBA appears to be effectively decided. Now, we'll still see whether there's any possibility of comebacks, but with the Houston Rockets dominating, scoring 50 points uh, in a quarter against the Minnesota Timberwolves, that game and that series effectively decided, I believe, would be pretty shocking if the Rockets came back home and did not win Game 5 to end that series, and certainly would be shocking beyond belief if they found a way to lose a series, they're now up 3-1 in. So I think the Rockets come back home and take down the Minnesota Timberwolves. They'll be advancing, we expect, and I think it's reasonable to assume that the Warriors will do the same back in uh, back in California as they get ready for Game 5 against the Spurs. And more surprisingly, we obviously have the Pelicans already having advanced in the Western Conference, having swept the Portland Trailblazers. More surprisingly... Russell Westbrook says that he's going to come out and he's not going to allow Ricky Rubio to have a good game. He gets himself aggressively kind of fired up playing too tough of defense and his team goes down. The Oklahoma City Thunder, which were supposed to be at worst the third best team in the Western Conference this year, now down 3-1 to one to the Jazz as this series comes back to Oklahoma City. And we started off the show talking about this I think it's time to contextualize what exactly we believe about the decision that Kevin Durant made when he decided to go pro, uh, go pro, when he decided to go chase a championship with the Golden State Warriors. In retrospect now, the in the 2 years that he's been gone. Yes, Russell Westbrook has had great individual success, but if you look at the playoffs, they lost 4-1 last year to the Houston Rockets. And they are now down 3-1 to the Utah Jazz. That's 2-7 and seven overall. If they're sitting at 2-7 and seven overall with Russell Westbrook as the unquestioned leader of this team, and if they're now down 3-1 to one to the Jazz, which they are, despite adding Paul George, despite adding Carmelo Anthony, I think it's fair to ask, where can Russell Westbrook go from here? He's making a ton of money. He's got a massive contract but he's likely to lose Paul George this offseason. And then after this offseason, probably Carmelo Anthony looks like he's on the tail end of his career. To me, this is a significant issue that the Oklahoma City Thunder are facing for years ahead. And I don't know how Russell Westbrook, who is... You know, approaching 30, let's not pretend that Russell Westbrook is still 24 years old. I believe he'll be 30 next year. This is a guy that relies on athleticism, on his ability to do things physically that others cannot, and has been incredibly successful. He's a defending league MVP. But is anybody else really getting better around him? And for the players who leave him, are they not a lot better having left him? Oladipo looked like he was going to be a bust. Now he looks like a foundational member of the Indiana Pacers. And again, with Paul George likely to leave, and with, I believe, there being a good chance if you break down this situation, 
that uh, that Carmelo Anthony has already peaked and is well on the backside of his career. What are the Oklahoma City Thunder going to do to be better than they were this year and the year before? That's pretty challenging to think about. Has Russell Westbrook locked himself into a team where he's going to make a lot of money, but he's never going to win a championship or maybe even contend for one? That's why Kevin Durant left. He thought the ceiling on his game would be better elsewhere than it was with Russell Westbrook, and Durant is potentially on his way to winning a second straight title, and Westbrook may be well on his way to losing in the first round of the NBA NBA playoffs for a second straight year. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, NHL playoffs, we've got a uh, an incredible story with the uh, Washington Capitals going down 0-2 at home and then coming back and winning four straight against the Columbus Blue Jackets to advance and play against the Pittsburgh Penguins again in the uh, in the NHL playoffs. Let's see if this year's the magic year for the Capitals. Sometimes you'll see a team stare down basically the end of a season and somehow they come back from the edge. I mean, they were in overtime in game three on the road, down 0-2 in a series, and they found a way to win four straight. It's like they've stared death in the face, and now they get on a hot streak. We'll see whether that continues in the next round. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto dealing with an awful story in Toronto yesterday, uh, they come out and win game six. That was an incredibly stirring Canadian national anthem. For those of you out there who are like, I don't know why the national anthem matters. Well, I hope you watched uh, and saw the video of the Canadian national anthem for everybody coming together in Toronto after that awful uh, attack of some sort, exactly what the motivations are. I don't think it's public yet, or they've at least uh, figured it out. Uh, But Toronto comes back, wins game six, forces a game seven against the Bruins. But I think the biggest story from last night is Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and whether we have to recalibrate the relationship between the two of them notwithstanding the fact that Kevin Durant still seems to be making errors by getting on social media accounts and accidentally clicking on posts which denigrate uh, Russell Westbrook's game. I don't know why Durant spends as much time on social media as he does. He's the second best in the world at what he does. Why spend all this time? But that is the story there. Uh, what jumps out at you, Jason Martin, about this Russell Westbrook situation in general? We started off the show talking about him. We're still talking about him. I would say in the Western Conference, probably this has got to be classified as the biggest surprise of the first round. Maybe the biggest surprise of the first round is the Trailblazers, not necessarily losing, but losing, being swept. I think this is actually bigger in terms of what the Jazz have been able to do going up 3-1 in this series and the way that, frankly, Ricky Rubio has at times been the better point guard. I mean, I I don't know there there are very many people when this series started that would have said, okay, you have to have Ricky Rubio for the next five years or Russell Westbrook. Who's going to make your team better? I believe Rubio is three years younger. Um, That doesn't seem like a ridiculous argument when you consider that Rubio's team, which may be more talented all around, but I don't know necessarily that it is, is about to go past the Thunder, it appears, in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty stunning. Um, leading into the series, most people thought it was a terrible matchup for Utah and that Oklahoma City was going to cruise through this very easily in five games or less just because there weren't enough offensive options. Despite what you think about Gobert down low, Rubio was certainly an unproven commodity that had been up and down 
had not had any playoff really experience to speak of. And then Donovan Mitchell was still a rookie. Well, all Donovan Mitchell has done is scored 110 points in four games. Michael Jordan scored 117 in his first four playoff games back in 1985. But he's the last one that's even scored 100 before Donovan Mitchell has done it. So Mitchell's been so impressive. But Rubio has been kind of the real catalyst or the X factor here. And for Russell Westbrook to come out and use an expletive yesterday and say, I'm going to shut that bleep down and then be too aggressive, get those four fouls, take himself out of a game where, look, if Russell Westbrook's not involved in the game, there's not enough talent around Oklahoma City now with the shell of Carmelo Anthony and what he can call himself playoff P. But Paul George has not ever done a whole lot in the postseason on a consistent basis. But it's still stunning because the Jazz is one of the youngest teams in the league, and they're one that no one knows about. We always talk about the Raptors sometimes not getting all the love. Well, the Jazz got no love, despite the fact that Mitchell, the only rookie, if you want to classify him as a rookie, that's better than Donovan Mitchell this year has been Ben Simmons. So they've got a star in the making. I look at Russell Westbrook, and I'm starting to see Allen Iverson. That's who he is. That's who Russell Westbrook is. Allen Iverson is a Hall of Famer that every legend is going to talk about in glowing terms forever about all that he was able to accomplish in Philadelphia, all that he was able to do when he moved around after that fact, at least when he still had the speed, when he still had the crossover, when he still had all of the killer instinct to go with the talent. But what else did he have? Well, he never had an NBA championship. He did get to the finals. And then he just didn't have enough around him. And no one else trusted themselves in that moment to do anything. That's the problem with the hero ball mentality. Even when Durant was there, that was a problem. Is that it would be Durant or Westbrook going one on five. And it would not be these other guys. And you would see guys standing around watching them play. Like they were in awe like everybody else in the seats were. So when the ball got to them... They were always cold. They were never in rhythm. And that's kind of what you see right now. I feel like Russell Westbrook is Allen Iverson 2.0. Yeah, that's, that's a really good analogy. Uh, now, the difference would be Allen Iverson, as you mentioned, did take a team all the way to the finals. I think they lost 4-1 to the, to the Lakers. But he was at least good enough. And maybe it was also a function of the surrounding talent at, in the league at the time. He was at least good enough to take a team to the NBA Finals. And, and I think Westbrook's won, been to the Finals, too. Yeah, but he had Kevin Durant with him. I mean, is yeah, there anybody Harden. else? Is there any? Yeah. Is there anybody else on that Allen Iverson team? I can barely even remember who the other. I think he had. Do you have Stackhouse on that he team? He had Eric Snow. He had Eric Snow. Uh, yeah, the fact that your immediate thought Ratliff. is. Yeah, the fact that your immediate thought is he had Eric Snow. I think he might have had Jerry Stackhouse. They won game one and then lost four in a row to Kobe and the Lakers, if I remember correctly, about what exactly happened that year. That was the Larry Brown coach team. Um, and look, Allen Iverson, Iverson has always been a transcendent talent, but I think there's some analogy there with Russell Westbrook in that it's hard to play with him at the absolute peak of your ability because he's so good. Um, And again, if I had said when we started the NBA playoffs, all right, you have to make a choice. Would you rather have Ricky Rubio for the next five years or Russell Westbrook for the next five years? I think people would have said, oh, you're crazy. you got to go Westbrook. But Rubio is, I believe, three years younger or at least two years younger. And his team is about to beat, it appears, the Oklahoma City Thunder – Rubio looks like a guy who makes guys better around him. Russell Westbrook looks like a guy who, frankly, doesn't. And I don't know. I don't know what their respective kind of career arcs are going to be. But I do know that when you rely on speed and explosion and raw athleticism, as much as Russell Westbrook does, and as much fun as he is to watch play based on that, at some point that starts to go. 
And then what do you have left? Uh, it's a good question. All right, we're going to talk with Petros Papadakis. I gave you my top five NFL draft picks two days out from the NFL. I said I'd go Josh Rosen one, Sam Darnold two, two LA guys. Let's talk to Petros Papadakis about that. Last time we'll talk to him before the draft starts uh, and see what the latest from his perspective is on those two guys and also how people in LA are watching the NBA playoffs. Are people really that of the belief, having watched Paul, uh, having watched everything that's going on with Paul George, is there really the belief that he's going to make that much difference for the Lakers based on what we've seen him do with the Thunder? Um, I think it's intriguing to uh, to follow around and see uh, see what the story is there. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the coverage. Up next, Petros Papadakis, AM five seventy Sports in LA. This is Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, Petros Papadakis joins us here in the Geico Outkick Studios. Uh, Petros, my man, L.A. story. I feel like we've been asking you about this for months, but this is the last time we'll ask you about it because the draft is Thursday. Rosen versus Darnold. How interested are you to see where these guys end up? Thank God. I thought you were going to ask me about LeVar Ball. I don't know what LeVar's been up to. Is he still in Lithuania? <laughs> no, no, I don't know. He's back. Uh, <laughs> Sam Darnold or Rosen, who do you want me to start with? Uh, I, how, first first question is, are you, are you legitimately intrigued to watch the draft and see where these guys go, or is this something that to you is not that interesting until football actually starts? Well, I've never been as interested in like hand measurements and the frenzy and the rumor mill and this guy's going up this guy's going down and oh my god todd mcshay's mock draft came out i do really like daniel jeremiah i think he does a great job analyzing this and he does it in a less definitive and kind of more easy way to listen to as opposed to being lectured by some personnel person but I, I, I'm i intrigued. I, I've watched these guys both play, especially Rosen in high school, and I became enamored with Darnold and his ability at USC and kind of the one-man offense that he was within Clay Helton's offense, which you know I don't like very much. But I, I want to see where they go. I'd be interested to see if Rosen drops and what, how he handles that and how the coverage handles that but i have to do this on a on a haunted boat i have to i have to do a chargers draft party for season ticket holders on the freaking queen mary <laughs> oh god do you know the queen mary no i don't know anything at all about this what what, uh, what what in the world are you have you found yourself doing here have you ever heard of the queen mary yeah i have but i thought the queen mary was in the atlantic ocean i mean i'm sure at one point it was and it was now a, it's all it's a boat yeah, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, I I typically think of like the boat being on one side of our country or another and not going through the uh, the Panama City Canal or Panama whatever it is Panama Canal. Um, but so no, I don't know what's the what's the the legacy of the uh, Queen Mary. Uh, well, it's a it's a boat that that has done a lot of things. It fought in World War II, uh, you know, as a as a ship, and uh, it it was a cruise liner. It was a giant brothel. It's done all kinds of stuff. I had a winter formal there, and now I have to do a Chargers 
uh, season ticket holder draft party from the deck. We're picking at 17. So will you actually be out at sea, or does it stay completely at the dock when you're I, there? I have lived in the harbor area of Los Angeles for 40 years. Yes. And I have never seen it move an inch. Okay, because that's like the uh, – it's in perpetual dry dock. That's the way that they get away with legalizing gambling in many different jurisdictions. Have you ever seen this? I don't know if you've seen uh, – I have it's, been on a boat on Lake Pontchartrain. Yes, the riverboat gambling is somehow an exception, which is amazing to me that anybody ever thought that that exception would work. Because the casino gambling on uh, tribal lands makes sense in some way because they have a form of sovereignty over their land and everything else. But the idea that if you put a boat on a on water, like the Mississippi River or you know like some you know waterway, uh, the Ohio River, like they do in in Ohio in Cincinnati. Um, all these places that they'll allow riverboat gambling to then take place is is insane to me. Um, but uh, well, that but so, was the premise behind the Minnesota Vikings boat party. They yeah. Oh yeah. The love boat. On a yeah. The love it. So what happens? Have you thought about this? You're doing the Chargers are picking 17, and I've done some of these shows before. And what happens if the Chargers trade the pick? Because then you got a lot more time to fill for the draft party. Like that—that that to me is the number one move. Because if the Chargers just decide, you know what, we're trading out of the first round, then literally you would be hosting a party and nothing would happen at the party. Have you contemplated that possibility? I have thought about this. Uh, my radio partner, who is the voice of the Chargers, yes, will not be there. He'll be working at NFL.com that day. It's an all hands on deck type of deal, as you can imagine, for the draft. Yes. So. I'm just going to do our show, and if the picks happen to happen when I care, then I'll get into them. But if I'm talking about the history of the Queen Mary and the ghosts or my winter formal with the Persian princess Nargis Kamali when I was a sophomore, uh, I, I'm not going to cover it. I'm not going to cover it. What happened to the Persian princess? Nothing. We went, on the winter, we went to the winter formal. Nothing no, happened. But this is a high school or a college? Well, why would I go to a formal in college for God? Because sake? they have all these different sorority parties. I thought you might have been the date of a sorority. sorority. Uh, you, the sorority has the party, and you go with the girl. I, I I only went to one of those, and I was humiliated. Yeah, I can imagine that you wouldn't have fit in necessarily that well. That was before your wife was kicked out of their sorority, right? Would you stop? Uh, we never found out why she was kicked out. <laughs> um, we're talking to Petros Papadakis, AM570 Sports in Los Angeles. All right, let's go back to the uh, – so I asked you about what you're doing for the draft. You told us about the haunted boat. What about Rosen versus Darnold um, in terms of – you watch these guys play a ton. And, and I, I know you watch Baker Mayfield also play a lot. I imagine you also watch Lamar Jackson play a lot. It's it's always a crapshoot when it comes to breaking down these guys. I, I've said on the show, I watch a lot of college football. I have not seen Josh Allen play that much. Of those five guys, uh, who do you like the most in terms of, if you were right now on the spot as a GM, who would be your guy? Darnold. And, and it's not because I went to USC. And behind Darnold, gosh, it would be hard to ignore Josh Rosen but I'd probably take Mayfield because I think he's a great thrower too. Not the same thrower as Rosen, who's mechanically perfect. But I'm concerned about Rosen, not because of his attitude or any of that stuff. Uh, I think different attitudes work at the quarterback position, but I I just don't think he's that durable. This is a guy that's had two concussions in a month uh, at UCLA in his last year. 
and big shoulder problems uh, as a tennis player. That's what knocked him out of being a tennis guy. And uh, those shoulder problems came back uh, his sophomore year. So that's what I would be concerned about is Rosen's durability, not his uh, whatever proclivity towards being outlandish or somehow cerebral or whatever he's being. I just think there's way too much damage control going on about Rosen being a kind person and a great teammate. Who cares? Don't worry about it. Just own who you are and get drafted. Uh, Mayfield I like, too. Uh, Lamar Jackson is really intriguing because he's a great athlete. But, I mean, I've also seen this guy make a lot of mistakes and not just turning the ball over like Darnold. I mean, I saw him get in a full-on fist fight inside the five-yard line. Yeah, it didn't get a lot of attention with Kentucky at the final regular season game of his uh, career. Right. I mean, if that happened with Darnold, I, I think that would have gotten a great deal of attention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that that was uh, a little bit concerning. Uh, I, I heard that, that people said he's a good kid. I also know people at the college level that would not recruit him out of high school. Uh, there's a reason he ended up at Louisville. I mean, that guy has an unbelievable skill set. He should have been the quarterback at Alabama or, or Ohio State. Uh so that that would be a little bit concerning to me, the, the decision to get in a full-on fist fight when you're the quarterback. You just don't see that uh, as often. Uh, what do you hear? What do you hear about Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold as guys? Not necessarily as football players, but you're in LA. I mean, UCLA, USC, top two of the top, you know, five to eight quarterbacks that are going to be drafted. Let's take it off the field um, in terms of what you hear from coaches, in terms of what you hear from teammates, and kind of their overall vibe. It seems like that Darnold is a lot more of a mellow guy that is less likely to maybe draw attention to himself versus Josh Rosen, who remember had the hot tub as his in his in his dorm room his freshman year, I think. Uh, and Rosen, I think, memorably was not offered by David Shaw right at Stanford. Shaw was like, "Yeah, I just don't think you're the guy for us." Um, there's something about Rosen that can rub people the wrong way, maybe teammates as well, coaches. What have you heard just about their individual personalities and how that could factor into? Well, I think you you summed it up pretty well. Uh, Sam Darnold is a conventionally good guy, mellow guy to be around, kind of like you said. He might even be more than that on the football field. Uh, he might be transcendent of that. I don't. I have never been in his huddle, but to me, he seems pretty damn special, and he's very much universally well liked. Uh, so much so to where you don't have to read articles to convince you how well liked he is, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, Rosen, on the other hand, as I've said, uh, he was a tennis prodigy, an individual sport. And even within that sport, he was considered pretty cocky as a young guy. And that's interesting because, you know, everybody's pretty cocky in that sport. So you really have to be, uh, you know, pretty, pretty cocksure to stand out. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and, and on the football field, I, I think Rosen competes. I love the way he throws it. I think he gets after it. Uh, I, I've not heard the most wonderful things about him as far as just being a conventional teammate and quarterback. I, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. You know, Jay Cutler, he keeps getting paid $10 million a year. 
to come out of retirement or whatever. So uh, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. I think we've made too much of it. But there is a distinct difference in these guys' personality-wise. Do you buy into at all the idea that SC quarterbacks have been overhyped relative to playing in Southern California, being in L.A., being the pro-style quarterback, being the big, you know, kind of the straw that stirred the drink in L.A. for a long time, whether it was Sanchez, whether it was Leinart, uh, whether it was uh, Matt Barkley. You know, you can run through Carson Palmer, a long list of guys that have had pretty good college success, and it just hasn't happened for them necessarily once they got to the pros. Now, uh, Sanchez well, won more of those games. One. Yeah, is that fair to consider them as USC connected, or should you – yeah, I'm kind of curious how you would break that down. Well, I think it's fair to look at the body of work. I mean, the most successful quarterback in USC history, if you're going to go by playoff victories – which is NFL success, right? Yes. Uh, it's Mark Sanchez. And he's got how I mean, he first couple he, of years, he went to back-to-back AFC like, title games. I yeah, believe something that was. like five and three in the playoffs, which is right. way beyond what most guys have. If you're going to go statistics, Carson Palmer uh, would be that guy. And both yes. of those guys had an incredible measurable skill set. Carson, beyond anything I've seen, in a long time, other than uh, guys like Andrew Luck and Darnold. Carson was just an absolute freak. He ran a 4-5, four, 4-6-40 four, uh, as a college player and ran the ball well and won a Heisman, for God's sakes. Uh, those guys could really play. Uh, Carson had a lot of success and a lot of great stats in the NFL and played for a long time. Uh, I would say Matt Leinart was a really good player, but he had more of one of those kind of Ken Dorsey type of deals. I think he was better than that, but he distributed the ball to a lot of good players around him too, and way more so with a guy like Barkley, who was the most overhyped, and John David Booty, who was very overhyped. But circumstantially, I think they've just kind of been bitten in the NFL. I don't think it will. I don't think it defines Darnold because he played for a totally different coach in a totally weird era coming off uh, Kiffin and Sarkeesian, and they don't even play with a fullback. You know, it's kind of hard to define USC's offense uh, compared to what, what those quarterbacks were playing in. How well coached was Darnold? Not well, if, if, if you really have to ask me <laughs> straight up. Uh, and that's your offensive coordinator now, Tyson Helton. Yes, he's moved uh, to Tennessee. Yeah, I would, oh, you know, guess who he was in love with as a young man? Nargis Kamali. Oh, really? The girl I took to the winter formal <laughs> at the Queen Mary. What, what, is, what is Nargis Kamali up to right now? What are the odds that somebody who is listening to us right now is good friends with Nargis Kamali? Low. She, you think uh, she's, you know, is she still in Southern California? Uh, she, uh, she is, uh, she's disappeared. Like it legitimately disappeared? Like nobody knows she's not on Facebook. She's not anywhere. I, I don't know. But I've never talked. I have not, I've not talked to her or about her in quite some time. How would you spell yesterday when we were talking about the Queen Mary? How do you spell Nargis Kamali? Do you remember? I don't remember. I just I just G I S. I'm not sure if it's G U S G E S or G I S. This seems like and and I just typed in with a U S. And there is a Nargis Kamali out there. Well, there's many in the in the Persian world. There there are there are literally hundreds. Oh, okay. That's a very common Persian name. I've just never heard it before. Yeah. Well, anyway, Tyson Helton was his. quarterback coach, and then oddly T. Martin, who was a quarterback, uh, 
in in college, obviously. Uh, he he is the wide receiver coach at USC, <laughs> and the and, but he has the offensive coordinator title, and I I just think you'll see with Darnold as with some of these other guys, like you saw with Juju Smith, the second they get into the NFL and start getting some serious coaching, which was the level of coaching USC had when guys like uh, Matt Leinart were there, uh, you'll see him take big jumps. Yeah. I, by the way, we just put up a poll question earlier. Who, which quarterback would you take first in the NFL draft? Darnold is winning by with 37% of the vote. Baker Mayfield right now coming in at 31%. And then Rosen and Josh Allen are both at 16%. And inevitably, people – you ever do these Twitter polls, Petros? You only get four options. So inevitably, people are like, well, where's Lamar Jackson? Well, he's the fifth option, right? Like, he's number five. If Twitter gave me, like, ten options, I would put down a bunch of names – but Lamar Jackson is not able to be there because I'm taking the top four options, and Twitter only gives me four options. You seem like, you, yeah, that's right. And also racist. because I'm racist. It's also because I'm racist. I was um, going to say that. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I'm just trying to keep the black man down by not including him in my Twitter poll for which quarterback to take. I could, I could. Have you ever done one of these Twitter polls? It seems like to me you would get driven insane by them. I don't know how they work. It's There's easy. so many things like I don't even know how to do Instagram and like put up a picture. I don't know like, how to do it. I'm not on Instagram it. either. But you know what? You're ugly like me. The only people who need to be on Instagram are good-looking women. 95% of Instagram's value as a market cap of a company is predicated on the fact that good-looking women put pictures up there. I'm not even kidding about that. The only thing that people ever link to me on Instagram and say, like, hey, did you see this on Instagram, are two things. One, NBA players, like, either saying something dumb or accidentally liking something, like happened with Kevin Durant and uh, and Russell Westbrook uh, the debate, or two, a hot girl who, like, an athlete is following or something. I think it's, Instagram exists only for attractive women to post pictures of themselves doing squats. That's basically what I've learned. Well, perhaps you're right, but I, I use Instagram to promote my television, my radio show. What and do you do? Put up pictures of yourself? No, uh, I put a picture of recently of an old radio poster of a Stotts Cotsworth. Uh, so would you do something that's the question would you do something different on instagram than you would put on twitter because my thing is people well, can I see pictures that i post video, on twitter video related i put a picture of a video of me watching the notre dame spring game with my children <laughs> how did the notre dame spring game go by the way i have uh steven winbush is still inconsistent i have steven seagal eating a carrot i'm looking at my instagram right now Steven Steven Seagal, he's come in for some. I know you're a big Steven Seagal fan. Are you troubled by the the pressure that he's found himself under in the Me Too era? Yes, I am. It's and like the only thing people have talked about Steven Seagal for the last 15 years is the Me Too thing, right? I, like, I don't remember anything about Steven Seagal until this. I uh, I never I I never had a problem where where I would mention my favorite film, Marked for Death, or Hard for Kill, or Hard to Kill, excuse me, when he was Mason Storm. Uh, I, I never had a, I never had a problem mentioning those before over the last 18 years. But now, when you bring up Seagal, you get the inevitable uh, traitor to the country. Yes, because he's a Russian citizen. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, and a uh, dual citizenship. He's friends with Putin. Oh wow, and who's a bad guy, right? Evidently, yes. Yeah, Although he does yeah. have a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, um, that that's, then, uh, that would be an amazing conversation to be able to eavesdrop on Seagal and Putin just sitting around like uh, hanging out, drinking a beer. He stole it. 
Yeah, he stole it from Robert Kraft. Yeah, uh, and and he's you know sexual assault and grabbing on everybody and beating up poor Kelly LeBrock. Seagal seems to be a pretty bad guy. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's unfortunate. Uh, you're always a good guy. We'll talk to you next week. And guess what? We won't have. To, I'll talk to you about the uh, uh, the trip onto the boat, but also we won't have to talk about Darnold versus Rosen again. Oh, I think we will. You think that story's going away? Now they're going to have their interviews, and that's maybe good Rosen will piss somebody I, off. Or I've got a, that's, that's, that's a truly great point. I'm going to ask you about Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen every week for the rest of the time that you come on this show. Probably. Can't wait. Uh, have a good workout with, uh, with your boy. Uh, what's his name again? DeAndre? You know what? He just texted me. I got distracted. He texted me that there's no class because there's traffic. I'm going to try to drive to Redondo Beach and make my friend's Joseph's class, but I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. That's uh, Petros Papadakis. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia find out what's shaking the world of sports. Okay, let's give you our playoff report presented by Geico in the NBA. The Rockets top the Timberwolves 119-100. to Houston outscoring Minnesota 50-20 to in the third quarter en route to the win in a 3-1 series lead. Jazz over the Thunder 113-96. to After losing the series opener, Utah's now won three in a row to take a 3-1 series advantage. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Capitals over the Blue Jackets 6-3. Washington eliminates Columbus, wins the series 4-2, and advances to face Pittsburgh in the second round. Maple Leafs stay alive with a 3-1 win over the Bruins. That series is tied at 3. We'll have a deciding Game 7 Wednesday in Boston. This report brought to you by True Car Online. Car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more competent car buying experience. And in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints will not match the offer sheet. The Ravens gave wide receiver Willie Sneed, so he will head to Baltimore on a two-year deal worth up to $10.4 million. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Final segment of the show. We'll hit you with some Animal Thunderdome to make the world the perfect place as we finish off the show today. Tuesday edition, Outkick the Coverage, Animal Thunderdome next on Fox Sports Radio. Forgot to do this ad, and I got to tell you, are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day, and ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Cue the music, boys. It's time for the Animal Thunderdome. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bullet and stricter stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. What you got for me, Jason Martin? This is, it shouldn't be news, but apparently it still is. Geese are jerks. Geese will attack you. Geese have no problem getting in your business. At a high school golf tournament last weekend in Adrian, Michigan, Blissfield High School, a foursome tees off. They're walking down a fairway where a goose is sitting on an egg in a goose nest off to the side. There's a sign warning them of the goose, golfers respecting its space, and then an additional goose that was flanking the situation 
suddenly comes up behind the golfers, and it was pissed. Devin Gilson Pitts, whose husband is an assistant coach for the Blissford team, says she drove in a golf cart with her husband to get between the golfer and the goose. She said it took four carts to keep the goose away and help retrieve the golfer's clubs, which fell out during the attack. Gilson Pitts wrote on Facebook a couple of days ago, At no point in my life I ever thought golf would be fun or exciting until yesterday. We have a great group of kids on the golf team and had some excitement. Now, this if guy, this kid was the, not hurt. The, the, the goose photos, was not hurt. The photos of this are incredible. Tremendous. There's not, a, is there, there's not a video, right? It's just like, no. it's almost better. It's like a, a, a play in three acts. Like, you can see the goose flying and chasing him. The boy is running with the, the, the golf uh, clubs on his back. He then has quite the tumble as the goose <laughs> attacks him. Uh, the I mean, it's a feet are in the air is unbelievable. Yes. That's These the are like poets are winning photos. Um, and it's almost better that it's not a video, I think, the fact that we have all these still photographs of him being attacked. Yeah, Isaac Coling is his name. He was com- competing for Concord High School against Blissfield, identified as the victim in the attack by the Detroit News. Guess what? He parred the hole after all of this. So good work by Isaac Cooling. But I've tweeted out these photos. It's utterly ridiculous. But again, geese are jerks. There were geese that chased off a couple of police officers. We, we tweeted this video out a couple of weeks back. Police were running from geese. Like multiple police officers were running from geese. Terrible look for the police. But these photos are absolutely tremendous. And they will make you laugh on a Tuesday morning. They definitely will to start your morning uh, with a lot of fun. All right, uh, what you got for me in L.A.? You guys might have seen this a couple days ago. We had a video sent to us, and if you want to see it, go to at the scary nature on Twitter, at the scary nature. Imagine being on a boat in the sea, and you see camels swimming. <laughs> you, this is... We had this big debate about what animals could swim, and I and we the, the camel was one of the ones we debated, I think. And so yeah. the camels can swim. Yeah, this is uh, from the Gulf of Kutch in the Arabian Sea. And I looked it up. These are the Karai camel. They can live in both coastal and dry ecosystems. It says that they graze on saline and mangrove trees. So they're in the sea trying to get the, to these mangroves. It says that uh, they can swim a few miles in search of their primary food, which is the mangrove tree. So uh, these fishermen on the boat were just shocked to see these camels swimming past them. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, if you were out to out to see, you would think that the world was coming to a close if suddenly camels swam by you and you couldn't see land, right? I mean, that would be pretty, I'd be pretty freaked out. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, man, what's happened to the world if we suddenly, yeah, like... You, you just see humps. Yeah, yeah, just the hamels uh, rolling around out there. Um, by the way, do we have anything else to hit here? I want to. Uh, we've got a poll question up, and I'll hit it tomorrow. What quarterback would you take number one overall? And also, we asked this question yesterday, um, and it's now finalized. And I thought this was intriguing. Uh, this week, if you could only watch your favorite NBA or NHL playoff game or the first round of the NFL draft, which one would you pick? 22,000 of you voted in this poll. 44% of you said you'd watch the NFL draft's first round. 29% said you would pick the favorite NHL playoff game, and 27% of you said you would pick your favorite NBA playoff game. So that ended up closer than I thought it would. I thought the NFL draft in the first round would win by even more, but I do think it speaks volumes that the NFL draft is going to outrate and outdraw both for OutKick and the nation's attention the NHL and the NBA's actual playoff games. 
Uh, we'll talk more. Loaded show tomorrow. Jason Whitlock texted me. He's going to come by for us in hour three. We'll have Jeff Schwartz in hour two. It'll be the eve of the NFL draft. We'll get you ready for that, and we'll break down the games in the NHL and the NBA playoffs that will be preparing or and or have taken place. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for spending your Tuesday morning with us. Remember, camels can swim and look out for geese if you're going golfing. This has been the Animal Thunderdome, and this has been Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.